0: You hear that in the background? I don't know if you do. We're at Wrigley Field, Chicago Cubs against St. Louis Cardinals Sunday, June 13th. Is it the 13th right now? Out here with my FSB family. This is awesome. It is 2-0, bottom of the 8th. Hopefully it stays that way. We're going to keep this as an intro. I'm not going to keep recording. I got food to eat, but we'll get back to you. Yeah. Had to have a little fun and do a little intro at the Chicago Cubs St. Louis Cardinals game on Sunday. It was awesome being there with First State Bank family. Really cool working with them, being able to do things like that with them. It was a lot of fun. There was a lot of us. Got to take a really good friend of mine with. It was just a great, great time. And, of course, the Cubs got the victory. They got the win. Didn't want to see it any other way, right? Especially to the Cardinals. Come on now. That was on Sunday, today being Monday, June 14th. This weekend was super crazy, wanted to have a show out, but I was in a parade, coached a soccer game, chilled with my mom, my sister, did some garage sailing, went to a Cubs game all day Sunday. Yeah. But we have to get back to Edge of Your Sea Podcast and do what we love, and that's talking about local sports, things going on in the area. And man, on this episode, there is a ton of things to discuss. IHSA playoffs in full, full motion, pedal to the metal, lots of things going on. Oh, and if you didn't know, which I'm sure you do, unless you're under a rock or in a closet, the state of Illinois in phase five of COVID-19, pretty much everything opened up. Don't have to wear masks as much especially if you're vaccined, hopefully you are, and life is going well. Looks like these numbers are plummeting, going way down, and we can get back to life as we know it. It was awesome being at the Cubs game and feeling like a normal person again. Same thing with the parade. I was involved in the Lamoille Buffalo Days parade again with my bank family walking through the busy streets of Lamoille. At least they were busy that day. But to see everybody intermingling, speaking, talking, doing things that we can do as people and not feeling weird about it, being locked in a house, quarantined, you know, all that other stuff that we've experienced the last year and a half. So it was really cool to be a human being again. And hopefully you are experiencing the same things. That's for sure. Finally getting that light at the end of the tunnel and, you know, hopefully in a month or so, it's all behind us. That would be great. This is episode 178 of Edge of Your Sea Podcast. I am your host, Brandon LaChance, and we have a loaded show. Like I said, we're going to run down IHSA postseason stuff, but we got some fantastic guests on this show. This is going to be the LaSalle, Peru football edition. We have Coach Jose Medina, and they're now graduated. They were seniors when I spoke to them, but now they're graduated David Narcus and Tyler Hartman. David Narcus, a defensive back, cornerback for the Cavaliers, while Tyler Hartman, starting quarterback, and a middle linebacker. The Cavaliers went 5-0 in the season, undefeated. Undefeated, first undefeated season for the Cavaliers since 1968. I know it's a shortened season, but hey, it's going in the record books as a season, so 5-0 is undefeated. I know fans of LaSalle, Peru dig it because that's awesome to say. And they didn't do it easy. They had played some tough teams and had to win games. A couple comeback wins. We talk about all that with Jose, David, and Tyler. With their 5-0 record, they shared the Interstate 8 conference with Sycamore, who also went undefeated. I believe they played six games, though. Sycamore was supposed to play a week one game. I believe it was Sandwich. COVID-19 canceled the game from even happening, so the Cavaliers had a five-game season. Lots of honors for the Cavaliers this season, including ending the season ranked in the Associated Press 5A poll number nine after their last game, defeating Kaneland, who was ranked ninth in 6A. So beat Kaneland, then they get ranked after a 5-0 season. Congrats to them and everything that they were able to do. It's fantastic. Super fantastic. But we'll talk about all that fantasticness with our Cavalier representatives. No doubt. Don't know where you're listening to this show, but you can listen to Edge of Your Seat Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and our website, www.rss.com backslash edgeofyourseatpodcast. Find us on social media. Edge of Your Seat P on Twitter and Edge of Your Seat Podcast on Facebook. Also, if you have any questions, suggestions, want to be a guest, know somebody that would be a good guest, want to advertise with us, send an email, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. Like I've said about three times already, IHSA postseason, it's going nuts, getting down to state competitions and Watching, covering these athletes just doing their thing. It is fantastic to be a part of and to finally have happen. Right now, we got baseball and softball and super sectionals. Actually, they're playing right now. So maybe by the time you hear this, you know we'll know who is in the state finals. But right now, we're in super sectionals and they're playing in probably about 10 minutes. Yeah, we're like right there. So after I get editing done and everything else, these games will be over. But we'll have those breakdowns on the next episode. Also, boys tennis had their state meet this past weekend. And girls state track happened. So lots of awesomeness to discuss there. And we're not done with girls soccer as they're in super sectionals. And we got boys track this weekend at state as they just wrapped up their sectionals. So we're going to talk about all of this right now. But, you know, we're going to need some help. And that's from Shimmer Mendota Ford, a community dealership that is here for you. Much props, love, and support to Mendota Shimmer Ford bringing us the IHSA postseason segment. Let's start with the state tournaments the state meets. Boys tennis. We had lots of athletes in here, and it went from Thursday, June 10th to Saturday, June 12th. Wrapped up a couple days ago. We'll start with 1A, the first couple rounds are on Thursday, and then you know you progress from there. So, Thursday, first round, class 1A, we'll break down the singles. Geneseo Sam Robinson defeated Ian Tanglo of Marion, which is in Chicago Heights, 6'2", 6'2. Tyler Johnson of Cole City fell 7-6, 6-1 to Rochester's Paxton Garland-Suther. Sterling's Breckton Peterson beat Sutherland Allen from Highland 6-1, 6-1. Newman's Marvel Chang lost 6-0, 6-0 to Nazareth Academy's Ryan Nelson. Streeters representative Davey Rashid beat Springfield's David Liu 6-4, 6-7, 12-10. Dixon's Lucas Healy also got a W, defeating Jersey's Logan Schultz, 6-3, 6-1. Moving on to the second round, Geneseo Sam Robinson fell to Evan Oll of Olney, 6-0, 6-1. Brecken Peterson, hailing from Sterling, lost 6-0, 6-0 to Evanston Beacon Academy's Peter Adams Agresti. I noticed when I was looking at all this, there's a lot of hyphen names that we're about to speak of today. Also in the second round, Davy Rashid, again from Streeter, lost to Will Benford, Chicago Latin 6160. Lucas Helia Dixon also lost 6060 to Rockford Christians, Finley Butte. In the consolation bracket, Peterson of Sterling, he was the only one to win in the consolation bracket. In the second round of the consolation bracket, he got a 2-6-6-3-7 tiebreaker victory over Morton's Carter Kendall. But then he lost in the third round to Peoria Richwood's Caleb Brinkman. In doubles, Dixon's Logan Mueller and Leith Elbzer fell to Riley Elligood and Brad Arnold of Woodstock 6263. Geneseo's Alex Slaymaker and Mason Smith picked up a W over Prairie Ridge, which is in Crystal Lake. Their duo of Nathan and Samuel Kim 4664 the 8 tiebreaker. LP's Andrew Bolus and Gavin Johannesson lost 6261 to Mortons Kyle Breaker and Connor Loudermilk. Sam Walker and Regan Lindy the twosome of Ottawa defeated Mattoon's Jason Rampage and Pierce Farmer 6426105. Mendota had representatives in the state meet, Logan Bradner and Andrew Stanberger. Unfortunately, they fell 6-1, 6-0 to Chicago Latin's Sam Cuttenhoe and Antonio Feliciano. Geneseo had another doubles pairing in the state competition with Mason Miller and Thomas Robinson. They picked up a win over Dylan Branick and Memphis Gallego of Wakanda. 7564 In the second round, Geneseo's Alex Slaymaker and Mason Smith defeated Mortons' Kyle Breaker and Connor Loudermilk 6-4, 7-6, picking up that second round victory in state. That's huge. Ottawa's duo of Sam Walker and Regan Linde fell to Latin's duo of Sam Cuttenhow and Antonio Feliciano 6-0, six, 6-0. Oh, six, oh. The other Geneseo representative, Mason Miller and Thomas Robinson, they also fell in the second round of the doubles competition, Class 1A to Ezra Burnhand and Braden Helfer of Champaign Central, 6 In the third round, Smith and Slaymaker from Geneseo fell to the Bennett Academy duo of Noah Bobo Fcheck and Andrew Donovan, six one six zero. Consolation rounds. In the first round, Bradner and Stanberger of Mendota won 6-4, 6-4 against Mattoons, Josh Rampage, and Pierce Farmer. The second round of the consolation, MHS picked up another victory as Bradner and Stanberger defeated Daniel Hahn and Freddie Tang of Chicago University by default. Geneseos, Miller, and Robinson Defeated Philip Breen and Robert Slayan from Lyle Bennett Academy, 6-7, 7-5, with the 4-3 tiebreakers. Trying to keep it alive in the third round of the consolation bracket, Miller and Robinson fell, 6-1, 6-4, to Liam McConnell and Will McHugh from Chicago, St. Ignatius College Prep. The Trojan duo of Stamberger and Bradner finally lost in the third round of the consolation. Falling to Elgin Academy's Johnny Yavera and Joseph Hargrove. In the fourth round of the consolation bracket, Geneseo, Slaymaker, and Smith fell to Troy Triads, Kyle Langdonston, and Jake Stewart, 6'4'64. Getting to state in tennis is super difficult. There's only two classes high level of competition at some of these bigger schools that still might fall into 1A, like a Chicago Latin, a Bennett Academy from Lyle. These guys are not slouches whatsoever. They know how to play the game. And to be able to go in there, play with these guys, compete, to get wins in the championship rounds, consolation brackets, that's big news, big things happening. Girls Track and Field also had state competition this past week as the state meet happened at Eastern Illinois University in Charleston. One of my favorite meets, events, sports stages that I've got to cover, got to be part of during my 16-year journalism career. It was a ton of fun every year, and I'm sure this year was no different. Lots of awesomeness for the teams that we're covering, for the players, the athletes that we like to pay attention to. We'll start with 1A State Finals, had a lot of medalists, a lot of people do their best that they could. Let's start with Class 1A, break it down from there. To earn a medal at the IHSA State Track meets, you have to be a top 9 finisher, so 9 and up gets you a medal. We're going to list the best finishers from the schools that we're covering and, of course, all medalists. In the 100, Byron Jr., Megan Jackson finished 18th with a 12.99-second run. In the 200, Amboy Jr., Lauren Althaus took 24th with a run of 27.66 seconds. In the 400, we have our first medalist as... Henry Midland Jr. Nikita Kessling finished 5th with a fifty-nine twenty-eight. If you like the name Nikita, don't worry, we will say it again. The 800, another medalist, as Anawan Weatherfield's freshman Kennedy Anderson ran a 2-minute, two 24.56 second run. Anderson... Almost medaled again with a 10th place finish in the 1600, otherwise known as the mile, 5 minutes, 32.37 seconds. That is still fantastic showing from a freshman. The 3200, otherwise known as the two mile. A couple of runners close to medaling, but just fell short. Finishing 10th was Indian Creek sophomore Jolie Larson with a 12 minute 14.26 second run. Teammate, Indian Creek sophomore, Carolyn Bend, finished 12th in 12 minutes, 19.26 seconds. The 100 hurdles, two medalists, as Brooklyn Gertz, a senior from Seneca, finished 5th with a 15.46 second run, and Amboy freshman Ellie Jones finished 6th with a 15.76 run. Don't worry, you're going to hear Gertz and Jones a lot as we're breaking down medalists in the state meet. Like right now, in the 300 hurdles, Gertz finished fifth again with a 47.88 run, and Jones medaled with an eighth place finish, 49.10 seconds. 400 relay, Seneca finished fourth, 51.12 seconds behind Caitlin O'Boyle, Emma Smith, Brooklyn Gertz, and Anna Bruno. Byron was right behind him in 5th place with a run of 51.6 seconds behind Samantha Bitz, Elena Julian, Megan Jackson, and Ava Milburn. We weren't done there though because Newark also meddled with an 8th place finish behind Kara Wessa, Lindsey Hattaberg, Megan Williams, and Brooklyn Haddeberg in 51.79 seconds. 800 relay, Seneca back at it again with Caitlin O'Boyle, Emma Smith, Faith Deering, Anna Bruno finishing 5th in 1 minute 49.55 seconds. Byron not too far behind as they finish in 7th. Macy Stuttered, Elena Julian, Megan Jackson, and Ava Milburn in 1 minute 49.77 seconds. The 1600 relay saw Henry Midland, finished 12th in 4 minutes, 18.97 seconds, Daphne Kessling, Jersey Johnson, Nadia Kessling, and Nikita Kessling, all family. Daphne, Nadia, Nikita, sisters, and Jersey Johnson, a cousin of theirs. In the 3200 relay, Seneca came in 14th as Ashley Alsvig, Delaney Walsh, Marie Chesevek, and Audrey Jenkins finished in 10 minutes, 50.38 50.38 seconds. In the shot put, we had two medalists as Anwan Weathersfield Jr. Cassidy Miller threw 37 feet 6.9 inches and Oregon Jr. Janae Booth 37 feet 27 inches. The disc saw Booth medal again as she threw 116 feet 4.6 inches for eighth. In the high jump. Two medalists is Newark freshman Kira Wessa. I like saying Wessa like that. But Wessa 5 feet 3.4 inches. Tying for fifth was Brooke Propes, an Indian Creek Jr. as she leaped 5 feet 1.5 inches. In the pole vault, Indian Creek freshman Regan Gibson and Seneca freshman Tegan Johnson and Seneca senior Brooklyn Gertz all pole vaulted, 10 feet, 9.2 inches. Regan Gibson of Indian Creek took 5th, and the Seneca girls, Tegan Johnson, Brooklyn Gertz, tied for 6th, and I believe that was because of the amount of attempts it took to reach that length, that height. In the long jump, Nikita Kessling, I told you you we'd hear it again, the junior from Henry Midland, 17 feet, 5.8 inches. Right behind her was Burrow Valley Sr., Cameron Kolb, she finished 6th, 17 feet, 2.9 inches. And Seneca sophomore Anna Bruno was 7th, 17 feet, 2.2 inches. And last but not least, the triple jump. Jade Aber from Burrow Valley wins it all. The senior is the triple jump class 1A champion, 36 feet, 5.1 inches. Congratulations to Jade. That is amazing winning a state championship. Awesome for her. Awesome for Burrow Valley. Man, pumped up about that. And once again, Ellie Jones getting a state medal as she finished eighth in the triple jump. 33 feet, 8.5 inches was the freshman from Amboy. Still pumped up about Jade Aber. I could talk about that all day. Winning state championships is awesome. I fortunately have got to cover quite a few runners, leapers, Win state championships. It's amazing. Class 2A in the 100, Geneseo sophomore Edison Pishke ran a 12.8 for 18th place. Winning two medals in the 100 wheelchair and the 200 wheelchair was Kiwani sophomore McKenna Reed. She finished the 141.12 in the 200 in 1 minute 32. Point nine seconds. Congratulations to McKenna Pede. That is amazing. In the 200, Sycamore Senior Mackenzie Rezer finished 16th with a 26.59 second run. We didn't have anybody in the 400 at the state meet, but in the 800, we had Geneseo Senior Esther Brown, who is a friend of Edge of Your Sea Podcast. She joined us after competing in cross-country this past fall. She ran 2 minutes, 28.48 seconds for 15th place in the 800. In the 1600, the mile. Jade Miller from Dixon, she's a senior, finished 5 minutes, 23.28 seconds. The 3200, the two-mile. Dixon freshman Emma Smith was 17th with 12 minutes, 34.81 seconds. The 100 hurdles. In the 300 hurdles, Geneseo Jr., Allie Raps medaled in both. She took 2nd in the 100 hurdles, 14.92 seconds. She took 3rd in the 300 hurdles, 46.08 seconds. As a junior to finish 2nd and 3rd, always means sky is the limit as a senior. 400 relay, Morris took 19th with Maddie Rushing, Alexis Johnson, Kayla Kisovic and Ava Smith finishing in 52.76 seconds. Two more state medals on the list, two more state medals. We're going to talk about the 800 relay and the 1600 relay, Jenna in the 800 relay, Addison Pishke, Allison Bowers, Annie Worth, and Ally Raps. 1 minute 42.55 seconds. The same group of Pishke, Bowers, Worth, and Raps Won the 1,600 relay in 4 minutes, 3.17 seconds. Congratulations to Geneseo, taking home two state championships. In the 3,200 relay, Geneseo was 15th behind Avery Megakerth, Jade Flowers, Phoebe Shoemaker, and Esther Brown, 10 minutes, 20.97 seconds. In the high jump, another state championship. For Annie Worth. So she walks away with three state championships as the Geneseo sophomore Annie Worth, five feet 4.7 inches in the high jump to take the high jump state championship. Shot put with the second place finish sandwich sophomore Claire Allen Through the shot put 40 feet 9.1 inches. McKenna Pede, the Kiwani sophomore. Took home another medal as well as the shot put wheelchair competitor through seven feet, 3.1 inches. Claire Allen from Sandwich also took fourth in disc with a 133 feet, 4.6 inch heave. Taking second in shot put and fourth in disc as a sophomore, lots can happen in the future for Claire Allen as well. Getting back to Pede, Going intermingling here with Allen and Pede. Pede from Kiwani in the disc wheelchair event through 17 feet, 3.2 inches. In the pole vault, Geneseo Senior, Evie Wilson finished third with a 11 feet, 0.8 inch toss. In the long jump, Worth took second. So three state championships and a second place finish the sophomore leaped 18 feet, 6.6 inches in the long jump. In the triple jump, LaSalle Peru junior Emily Strell finished just outside of meddling with an 11-place finish of 34 feet, 2.6 inches. Congratulations to everybody at the state meet. Whether you medaled or won state championships, you were competing, you were there. It's a fantastic event. And showing what you can truly, truly do with your athletic ability. Sticking with track, let's get to the boys track sectionals. They were Thursday through Saturday, and now they're heading into state. So here are the qualifiers for the state track meet, which will be Thursday through Saturday, June 17th through 19th, also at Eastern Illinois University. At the Class 1A Winnebago sectional, team scores Forreston won with a 102. Pecatonica was 2nd with 72. Indian Creek took 3rd with 69. Byron and Oregon tied for 5th place with a 59. And Hinckley Big Rock had 9 points for 11th place. Individuals at the 200. Indian Creek junior Lucas Woodbury wins with 23.07 second run. He just missed in the 100 as he finished with a 11 11- 50 for third place, needed an 11.37 second run to meet the state qualifying time. So the two people in front of him, super fast. He's also super fast. Just fell 0.13 seconds behind the state qualifying time. But he wasn't the only one from Indian Creek to qualify for state in the 200 as junior Colton Olson ran a 23.15. In the 400, Indian Creek again, senior Cam Russell, 52.67 seconds. In the 800, Oregon senior Ryan Hussling, 2 minutes, 12.4 second run for second place. Remember to qualify for the state meet from the sectionals. You either got to finish first or second or have a qualifying time or throw. 300 hurdles, Byron senior Leo Adami took second with a 41.89 second run. He was also third in the 110 hurdles, but didn't meet a qualifying time. In the 800 relay, Indian Creek was fourth, but they had a state qualifying time of 1 minute, 33.7 seconds behind Lucas Woodbury, Aiden Sawyer, Cam Russell, and Colton Olsen. The top five teams that competed in the 800 relay all advanced, beating the 133.9 second run that you need for the state qualifying time. In the 3,200 relay, that's the two-mile Byron was second. Going to state is Carter Conderman, Sam Lewis, Isaac Mundello, Evan Porter, as they finished in eight minutes, 41.19 seconds. And the shot put... Two people are going to state, and they're both from Oregon. Junior Daniel Dominguez was second, with a throw of 45 feet, 1.4 inches. Senior Colton Manzer was third, 44 feet, 5.8 inches. In the disc, Dominguez going to state in a second event, as he threw for 143 feet, 9.3 inches to win it. In the high jump, Cam Russell going to another event, and he's got one more. He's going in four. Cam Russell, Indian Creek, 6 feet 3.9 inches to win the high jump. Byron Jr. Evan Potter was third with a state qualifying throw of 6 feet 0.6 inches. In the pole vault, Oregon senior Riley Benton, 12 feet 1.3 inches to win it all. And, like I mentioned, Russell had one more. He won the triple jump with a 43 feet. inches. In the Class 1A Erie sectional, team standings. Sherrard won with an 87. Newman was 9th with 19 points. Burrow Valley finished 11th with 16 points. And Amboy took 14th with 11 points. Advancers. Brock Loftus, a junior for Amboy, Ohio. Goes to Ohio, runs for both. Finished in 10 minutes, 11.62 seconds for 4th making the state qualifying time. In the 3,200 relay, Newman took second to advance the state behind Jacob Donald, Thomas Powers, Noah Welty, and Lucas Simpson as they ran 8 minutes, 39.41 seconds. The Class 1A Seneca sectional. Seneca won with a 106. Marquette took seventh with a 28. Newark was 10th with 19 and Samanock had two points for 14th place. In the 400, Newark senior Steve Martin was second, 52.71 seconds. The 800, Lucas Hoffman from Marquette, he's a senior, 2 minutes, 4.73 seconds. Hoffman also advancing in the 1600 as he finished second with a time of 4 minutes, 57.69 seconds. Seneca junior, Given Siegel, was second in the 110 hurdles with a 16.45 run. In the 400 relay, Seneca won it all, 44.6 seconds behind Chase Hawk, Terry Hawk, Koyla Cato, and Ryan McCauley. But they're not done here. There's tons of Seneca relay wins or second place finishes as the 800 relay of Chase and Trey Hawk, Ryan McCauley, and Given Siegel finished second with one minute second run. 1,600 relay. Seneca back at it again with a second-place finish to go to state. Trey Hawk, Billy Glasscock, Carson Collett, and Wilson Wildman finishing 3 minutes, 43.32 seconds. The 3,200 relay also took second with Seneca's Billy Glasscock, Chris Pointer, Spencer DeGraff, and Brady Danick, 8 minutes, 51.2 seconds. The discus, Seneca's freshman, Carter Thomas, took second with 113 feet, 2.8 inches. The high jump, Seneca, another representative, and freshman, Nathan Grant, second place finish, 5 feet, 6.1 inches. In the pole vault, again, Seneca, Carson Collett, a senior, 12 feet, 1.7 inches. Collett also advancing in the triple jump with a 39-foot, 7.9 leap for 2nd place. In the Class 1A, Anawan-Weathersfield sectional, Elwood won with a 107. Anawan-Weathersfield was 7th with 41 points. Advancing for Anawan-Weathersfield in the long jump, finishing 2nd with senior, Kanan Bond with 20 feet, 5.3 inches. In the triple jump, Senior Ben Smith won with 42 feet, 3.2 inches. One more Class 1A sectional, El Paso Gridley. El Paso Gridley won their own sectional with a 173. Fieldcrest and Deer Creek Mackinac tied for 5th with 30 points. St. Bede was 7th with 29. Hall took 9th with 25. Henry Midland had 5 points for 13th place. And Putnam County's 2 points gave it 15th place. Advancing, Fieldcrest Jr. Mason Stoger, four-minute, 33.97 second run in the 1600. He wins to go to state. Finishing second in the 300 hurdles with senior Zach Roebuck from St. Bede, 41.87 seconds. In the high jump, St. Bede Jr. Duncan Lawler wins, five feet, nine inches. Polvalt Hall sending junior Caleb Savage as he took 2nd with a 10 foot 6.6 volt. Let's move on to 2A. Class 2A Rochelle sectional. Sycamore won with a 106. Sandwich was 2nd with a 100.5. Dixon took 3rd with 91. Sterling was 8th with 21.5. Plano's 21 points gave them ninth, And Rochelle had 18th for 10th. In the 100. Sandwich senior Michael Maris, 10.99 seconds to win it. He also won the 200 in 22.12 seconds. In the 400, Steve Aguilar, a senior from Sandwich, 51.93 seconds for second place to advance the state. In the 800, Dixon senior Brock Dregenberg won with a one minute. second run. And Plano senior Martin Diaz was second in 2 minutes, 0.34 seconds. In the mile, Dixon finished first and second. Senior Brock Dragonberg was first, 4 minutes, 24.14 seconds. And senior Caden Grafton took second, 4 minutes, 26.58 seconds. In the 3200, Grafton going to state in his second event as he won the two-mile in 9 minutes, 58.06 seconds. Plano Jr. Josh Thomas is also going with a 10-minute, 40.85-second run for second place in the two-mile. In the 110 hurdles, Tyler Carter from Sycamore won with a 14.97-second finish. In the 300 hurdles, Carter did it again with a 39.15 to win it all. In the 400 relay, Sycamores, Jeffrey Oakstriker, Noah Schmidt, Alex Garcia, and Bailey Wigman finish in 43.57 seconds to get the victory. The 800 relay was sandwiches as they won in 1 minute 31.23 seconds behind Noah Clausing, Jaden McCluskey Green, Ethan Weeks, and Michael Maris taken second to also advance the state with Sycamore, as William Stewart, Noah Schmidt, Bailey Wigman, and Jeffrey Alkstreicher finished in 1 minute, 31.88 seconds. 1600 relay also saw two state qualifiers. Dixon won in 3 minute, 29 seconds, behind Jacob Goosey, Jackson Ortigsen, Caden Grafton, and Brock Dragonberg. Sycamore finished second behind Carson Campbell, Tyler Carter, Caden Emmert, and Alec Garcia. Dixon finished in 3 minutes, 29.75 seconds. Sycamore, 3 minutes, 29.97 seconds. 3,200. Sycamore advancing again as they won in 8 minutes, 18.78 seconds, behind Jack Cranberry, Carson Campbell, Caden Emmert, and Donald Grammer. Sterling was second to also advance 8 minutes, 23.7 seconds behind Sam Brown, Dale Johnson, Thomas Holcomb, and Javon Bruce. Dixon Jr. Dre Jackson is going to stay in the shot put as he won with 49 feet, 1.7 inches. He is also going in the discus as Jackson threw 138 feet, 4.1 inches for second. In the high jump, Sandwich senior Jaden McCluskey-Green, won the event with 6 feet 1.3 inches. In the pole vault, Dixon and Sandwich sending guys, Dixon Skyler Connolly won as the senior vaulted 11 feet 5.1 inches. Wyatt Miller, a sophomore from Sandwich, 11 feet 0.2 inches for second. In the long jump, Oleg Clark, a senior from Sycamore, 21 feet, 8.1 seconds for second, and also advancing, Coming in third, Jaden McCluskey Green of Sandwich threw 21 feet, 6.5 inches for third to make the qualifying length. Triple jump, McCluskey Green advancing again as he jumped 45 feet, 9.3 inches. Sycamore's Ola Clark also advancing as he took second, 44 feet, 5.5 inches. The Class 2A Geneseo sectional Princeton gets the team victory, 112.5 points. Congratulations to Princeton. This is a big deal because there is a lot of competition at this sectional. Pontiac was second with 83. Geneseo third, 65.5 points. Cole City had 34 points for sixth. Kiwani 30 points for eighth. Morris was ninth with 25.5. LaSalle Peru scored 18 points for 12th. And Streeter took 13th place with 16 points. In the 100, Princeton Jr. Keegan Fogarty won with 11.17 seconds. Cole City Sr. Asia Cooper was second, 11.37 seconds. Fogarty also won the 200 in 22.7 seconds. The 400, Kiwanee Sr. Melkin Jesus 50.79 seconds to win it all. In the 800, Streeter sophomore Cody Danko won in 2 minutes, 0.15 seconds. Morris sophomore Caden Welch finished second in the 1600, the mile, in 4 minutes, 45.6 seconds. Ryan Hartman, LaSalle, Peru Sr., won the 3,200 in 10 minutes, 32.9 seconds. To pay second place finisher Geneseo Sr., William Plumley 10 minutes, 32.93 seconds. A third of a second is how much Hartman defeated Plumley. Congratulations to both for going to state. 400 relay, Princeton, Logan Glancy, Ethan Thompson, Drew Harp, Rondé Wirles, a 44.14 second run to win it. They also won the 800 in one minute, 32.8 seconds, behind Glancy, Thompson, Harp, and Fogarty. The 1600 Geneseo advances with the second-place finish behind Malakay Shad, Will Taylor, Nick Ryerson, and Ethan Hulk, finishing in 3 minutes, 33.21 seconds. The shot put in disc will see Princeton senior Grant Foes at state. As he finished second in shot put with 47 feet, 7.6 inches, and won the disc, 155 feet, 5.1 inches. The high jump, Tegan Davis, a sophomore from Princeton, 6 feet 1.3 inches. Behind him, also going to state, Geneseo sophomore Carson Emery, 5 feet 9.7 inches. In the pole vault, Geneseo junior Malachi Shad, 15 feet 0.9 inches, wins it, and Geneseo freshman Cooper Shad must be a relative. Finished third, 12 feet, 9.9 inches. Princeton's Tegan Davis also going to stay in the long jump as he won 21 feet, 5.8 inches. And Asia Cooper also going in another event as the Cole City Senior finished second, 21 feet, 5.5 inches. Cooper also going in the high jump as he won it with a jump of 43.4 inches. And Geneseo Jr., Aiden Kopjens, Finished second, 42 feet, 6.8 inches. Congratulations to all the boys track athletes that are going to state. Put in the work, did your thing, and now you're getting rewarded for it. Let's hop to the baseball field. Class 1A Newark sectional. We'll do sectional semifinals and the sectional finals. Like I said, they're playing the super sectionals as we speak right now. In the Newark sectional semifinal, St. Bede, the number three seed, fell to number four seed, Grant Park, 10-4. In the other semifinal, Newark, defeated Winteca's North Shore County Day, 12-2. Newark, the one seed, Winteca the two seed. In the sectional final, Newark wins with a 9-3 victory over Grant Park. In the 1A Newman sectional, in the semifinal, number two Newman, defeated Warren Co-op, the one seed, 12-3. In the sectional final, Newman wins their first ever sectional title, first ever in the program, as they defeated Freeport Aquan, 7-4. This means Newark and Newman meeting each other in the super sectional in Rockford at the Rivets Stadium. Class 1A Illini Bluff sectional in a semifinal, Number 4-seeded Anawan Weathersfield knocked off number 3, Delavan, 4-3. Then the Titans go on to win the sectional final, 8-2, over the 4th-seeded Illini Bluffs. Anawan Weathersfield in a super sectional at ISU in normal against number 1-seeded Mount Pulaski. Moving on to 2A in the 2A Cole City sectional in a semifinal. The five seed Marquette knocked off number two Palos Heights 13 3. In the other semifinal, Cole City knocked off Mantino 10 9. Cole City being the three seed, Mantino being a one seed in their subsectionals. In the sectional final, Marquette got a 16 5 victory over Cole City to propel them into the super sectional against Normal University in Bloomington at Illinois Wesleyan University. Class 3A Geneseo sectional in a semifinal. Number two seeded Dixon defeated Burlington Central, a five seed, 5-2. Geneseo knocked off Hampshire, the five beating the three, 8-2. In the final, Geneseo beat Dixon, 13-3. Geneseo is playing Washington right now, in a super sectional in Geneseo. Class 3A Morton sectional in the semifinal. Number six Streeter fell to four Morton, 6-2. Staying on the field, but we're gonna switch it to softball. Class 1A Newark sectional. Marquette won a sectional, defeating Newark, 5-3. Marquette was a three seed in their subsectional, while Newark was a one seed. Marquette now in a super sectional playing Arthur Lovington Atwood Hammond. Yeah, that's a mouthful. That's a lot of names of a co-op. Also in Bloomington at Illinois Wesleyan University. So both Marquette baseball and softball playing there in Bloomington. In 2A, the Oregon sectional. Oregon, the two seed, fell to Riverdale, the four seed, 3-0 in an upset sectional final. 3A Lamont sectional. Ottawa and Lamont both won seeds in their respected subsectionals. Lamont pulling off the win 2-0. At the 3A Sterling sectional, number four Sterling upsets top-seeded Canlin 5-0. Sterling now playing in Antioch in a super sectional. Congratulations to all the softball teams doing their thing, putting the ball in the bat, the ball in the glove, and running up the scoreboards. Girls Soccer, Class 1A Rockford Christian sectional. Princeton gets the sectional championship with a 4-3 victory over Rockford Christian. I would say Princeton will play a team, but we were actually at this game today as Princeton played Wheaton Academy in a super sectional in Mendota. Wheaton Academy defeated Princeton 5-0. So that's another reason why the show is a little later than normal. We had to go check out some games, including Princeton in a super sectional. Congratulations to the Tigers for everything that they did. We have interviews about the game. We'll talk about it a little more on tomorrow's show. Well, that wraps up the IHSA postseason breakdown. Lots of stuff to go through. Congratulations to every single athlete, every single coach making all the hard work worth it as you're going to state, competing in state tournaments, and getting very, very, very far in a tournament system that is awfully difficult to continue to plug through. So even though you wanted a state championship, getting to a super sectional, getting to a sectional final, getting to a regional final are all huge accomplishments that you got to be proud of. And that IHSA segment was brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership dedicated to being community first. After a miserable 2020, in every sense of the term, Mendota Shimmer Ford wants to make 2021 as awesome as possible with style, comfort, and great deals. There are many options at the Shimmer Mendota Ford lot as it has a huge selection of new and used vehicles, on the pavement, and even more on the website, www.MendotaFord.com. Whether you shop online or at Shimmer Mendota Ford, located just south of Mendota on Highway 251, Manager Ski Hartman and his associates, Jason Hintz and Doug Safranik, will use their expertise and understanding of the vehicle you're looking for to help you roll through 2021 just the way you want. Call 815 539 9314 for all vehicle inquiries at Shimmer Mendota Ford. Well, that's the intro. Let's get to LaSalle Pru football representatives, coach Jose Medina, and now graduated David Narcus and Tyler Hartman, as they have a lot of awesomeness to talk about. Great season for them. Can't wait to see them back on the field next year. Unfortunately, Narcus and Hartman won't be there but Jose Medina will with another crew ready to keep this winning tradition that LaSalle Peru has just started in the last couple seasons after having quite a few bad down years. they reinvented the wheel, reinvented the ship, keeping it afloat and making football look fun and lots and lots of great things to watch at Howard Fellow Stadium. Much love, much support for you checking out Edge of Your Seat podcast. Please continue to do so. Until next time, peace. Although the football season was quick, it was short, it was short tinned because of COVID-19. It was amazing to watch, be a part of, cover, talk to coaches, athletes. And we had to, absolutely had to get some LaSalle, Peru, Cavalier representatives on this show. We're going to start with Jose Medina, the coach of LP. How's it going, coach? It's going great. It's going great. How are you doing, Brandon? I am usually doing well, but right now I'm doing fantastic. I'm very happy to have you on. Man, that's awesome.
1: That's great, man. I'm I'm happy
0: to be on. 5 and 0. Oh, like I was so pumped that you guys even though it was shortened, wasn't a full 9-game season with playoffs. LP goes 5 and 0. Oh, we're going to call it an undefeated season the first time since 1968. That's got to make you feel good, coach. Oh,
1: definitely. You know what? Those kids, those kids definitely played their butts off for us, and it's one of those big accomplishments, you know, but as I said, those kids played their butts off, and being 5-0 and and undefeated, you know, is, is a big accomplishment for us.
0: It's been kind of like a moving train. You've been with the team, what, 10 years, 11 years?
1: This is uh, my 17th year Ooh. as a coach at LP, and then uh, this is my 6th year as the head coach.
0: These years go by really fast. <laughs> <laughs> yes they do. The last 10 years or so have been kind of spotty for LP. Last year you get to the playoffs for the first time in I believe 8 years had, you know, a winless season in there, couple down years, and the last few you've seen the wheels turning like the team was playing harder. Even though I was still losing games a couple years ago, playing harder, offense was starting to come together, defense would show signs of awesomeness at times, now you're getting the full product, the full, you know, exam of what you've been trying to do for, you know, the last six years. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think, you know, when I first took over, the,
1: when I first took over as head coach, I wanted to bring just consistency, just because we've been going through, you know, different coaches and, and so on and so forth, and... I just wanted to bring some consistency to the program. And, you know, we started out, I believe, three and six. And then a couple of years, we, we finished, you know, four and five, four and five. And then within the last two years, as you stated, you know, we went to, uh, five and five, made it to the playoffs, you know, started doing some good things. You know, the players started believing they, they saw that, the, you know, the potential is there. The possibility of us uh, continuing to carry on that, that tradition of, of getting back to the playoffs and, and just being a, a very productive program. Uh, started showing, and, you know, unfortunately, with COVID limiting the, the, the games that we played and, and whatnot this year, I mean, these kids really, as I said earlier, just came out and just played. They, they just came out and had fun, they enjoyed the game, they loved the game, and, and, and it showed it, and, you know, they this group of seniors and juniors, you know, really played hard for these five games and really proved a lot to just not the conference, but the community as well, and, and, and proved a lot to our, us coaches, you know, we we knew we had a good team and and, you know we just set a goal to say hey let's let's go out there and do what we have to do and and see where we end
0: up and I'm so happy for for all these guys and what they did what I noticed a couple games that I joined Jeremy Aiken with WLPO called the Rochelle Ottawa and Caneland home games that were played at Howard Fellows in Peru the amount of Players, playmakers that you had, you know, Drake Weber, Tyler Hartman, Sean Whitfield, Trayvon Hunter, Corey Walker, so many guys you could get the ball to and they were going to get you yardage, first downs, touchdowns, whatever they needed to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah, those guys, as you said, a lot of those guys, Matt Carrico, you know, we gave them opportunities and they shine when you gave them the opportunity. Now, a lot of that doesn't happen without our five big guys up and those guys played outstanding. They all worked together as one solid unit, you know. So our offensive line played a big, big part in, in our success, too, uh, on the offensive side. And I, I'm, I'm not taking anything away from, from the guys that you named, but, you know, it, it all starts up front. And then w- without those guys, I think those guys, you know, we would be struggling, but yeah definitely i mean you had playmakers all all around there you know and the beauty of that of that offense is is that you know you shut
0: something down something else opens up and you know we did a good job of finding those guys Now I feel bad that I didn't start with the line. I was definitely going to talk about them. Those (laughs) big dudes on the line, man, 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 man. They were taking on, Morris has some big dudes. Cainlin, some big dudes. Cainlin had people on their line that were like 6'3", 6'4". I think one was like 6'5", 290 pounds, and you guys were holding them off. They were definitely going to get mentioned on this show. Let's give them a shout out. What are all their names? You got Aiden Van Duzer. You yeah, uh, got DeMasso,
1: Eric Lane, Carson Murwicki, Reed Robiza helped out quite a bit. And then Will uh, Will Doherty also helped out quite a bit, too, uh, on the offensive line. As you said, I mean, those guys played outstanding football, uh, you know, against good competition and,
0: and actually, you know, took care of business at, at, uh, when they needed to. You know, with saying your playmakers, you know, aren't, the same without those guys and totally agree like I said they were moving people they were holding lines they let Tyler Hartman pretty much have all day when he was trying to throw and they got rewarded for it for all being named to the interstate eight all-conference team yeah definitely definitely as I said those guys were, were solid
1: year-round when they moved we moved so yeah but definitely you know those those guys are a big contribution to our success this year and you know I'm not taking anything away from from Hartman, Kirk Caracol Hunter, Whitfield, Walker. Those guys are playmakers. They're going to, when they get, and Drake, I can't forget about Drake, uh, Weber in there too. Uh, when they touch the ball, you know, big things happen. And, you know, there were a lot of big plays that, that we
0: uh, were successful at this year. Can't forget about the other side of the ball either because your defense sure. was nasty.
1: <laughs> they played solid year-round. I mean, from the very start with uh, against Rochelle, shutting them out, and then, you know, just playing – tough aggressive fast football you know that's what that's what we try and instill on that defensive side is you know we we want guys to play fast we want guys to play without uh you know without thinking you know if you think too much you kind of slow down but you know uh we we do a good job of teaching those kids to just play fast and uh as we start with our with with our d-line I mean our d-line just created problems for our for, for offensive linemen I mean they were they were fast you had Levi Reed you had uh uh, Weston Wenzel, and then you had um, you know uh, Reed Robiza that helped out uh, at the nose position, but uh, those two outside guys really made a lot of uh, created a lot of uh, problems for for the offensive line, and you know which then opened up our linebacker to run free, uh, make tackles, make big plays, and really just get after the football. You know, once again, you you create problems, you put pressure on the offense. And I believe our backfield, uh, our DBs ended up with about four or five interceptions. One of those was returned for a
0: touchdown. So, you know, it was it was a solid, great team defense, defensive effort this, uh, this past season. I remember walking into the Rochelle game, first game of the season, and Rochelle is predominantly known as a running team. They run year in, year out. That's what they do. And I was like, hmm, this is going to be a test for – LaSalle-Peru to see if they can stop it. And it was very windy, so it was like nobody was really going to throw the ball because, I don't know if you remember, there was a punt at the beginning of the game that went straight up and straight down because of the wind. (laughs) Yeah, I do remember that. I do remember that. So I was like, there's going to be no throwing. We're going to see running, and let's see how LP's defense holds up. I think in the first half they had like 10 yards and they didn't finish with more than 50 or 60 total yards in the whole game. Your defense plugged up every hole, didn't let their playmakers, because they have a few, do anything. It was like as soon as they got the ball, they were surrounded by four or five Cavaliers. And it happened every game after that, too. It was a great, solid team effort
1: by defense. And they were tough and and really wanted to get after it. So they were very
0: aggressive, very fast. And, you know, that's that's kind of what... uh, but we try and instill in that defense. Don't want to hark on this too long, but I was really, really impressed with your defense. I got one more comment about this or question. <laughs> your defensive backs, David Narcus, Trayvon Hunter, there's a couple that I'm going to miss. You can throw in their names, too, to give them some shine. Sean Whitfield and Ethan Bell. yeah Ethan- can't forget about uh, Ethan Tchaikovsky, too, as well. He played a big role and made some uh, great plays, too, as well for us gotcha, Ethan Bell, Sean Whitfield, Ethan Tchaikovsky, all of them, fantastic. The Camelin broadcast, I started off with calling David Narciss a pest because I remember from the Ottawa game, like any time that they kept throwing to their wide receiver, they kept going to the same guy, try to get him, you know, long touchdown passes and stuff like that. Narcus was just very pesky, batting down balls, hitting the receiver if he did catch, not letting him get any yards after the catch. Then he comes into the Caneland game, two interceptions, and just bothered the offense of Caneland the entire game. And it wasn't just him, Trayvon Hunter, Ethan Bell, the guys that you just named did all the same thing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, yeah, David played
1: a big part in the Caneland victory there, taking those two interceptions, of course, and he's just a tough kid that plays hard and, and likes to hit too, so... Uh, yeah, definitely, he played a big part, and, and and as you said, you know Trayvon Hunter, Sean Whitfield, Ethan Bell, and Ethan uh, Trakowski all played a big role in our success in the backfield as well. So yeah, they were tough. They had about four or five interceptions uh, this year as as a whole group, and then one of those were, was returned for a touchdown. So I keep harping on it and I keep t- t- saying it, but our defense played outstanding this year, and a lot of that goes to uh, Coach Carney, who who gets those guys prepared and and does a lot of film study. I guarantee you when you ask those guys about Coach Carney and the amount of time that he puts in
0: on the film, he truly studies the game and gets these young men prepared for, for an opponent. You guys are definitely ready for a Jr. running back, Corey Phillips. I had heard that he was really fast, and we saw it. I think he broke for like a 40, 41-yard run early in the game. But then you made adjustments, and he didn't do that again, and he hardly got past the line of scrimmage. And he is a star running back. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he, he was coming into the game, I think, averaging about 200 yards the last two games, and
1: I believe he ended the game with about 80-some yards. I, be, I can't really remember the total, but I believe it was about 80 yards or so. But I think, yeah, um, as I said, I think that was our key key to stopping, uh that team on offense. And then, you know, granted, you had a freshman quarterback there uh, starting for them, but... I think we wanted to, you know, put pressure on that quarterback to make him win the game instead of uh, having the running back uh, win the game for them. We stopped the run and,
0: and you know, made, forced them to kind of pass the ball a little bit more than probably they wanted to. Obviously, all five games of the season, all very important, no doubt about that. But the last two, Morris and Camlin. Kanelin came into the game ranked ninth and six A. Morris, every single year, powerhouse. Everybody's scared to play Morris. Or not scared, but they get jumped up, hyped up, ready to play them, either or. You were down to both of them late in the game and come back and win both of them. That had to be monstrous for the program. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think I said this in in a previous uh, newspaper article. I think, you know, in previous seasons, I think
1: previous LP teams would have probably caved a little bit and just said, you know what, okay, well, I guess we're going to lose. But, you know, these kids fought... Till the end. They played all four quarters of, of, of football. You know, against Morris, we, we came out flat, had opportunities, but just couldn't capitalize on those opportunities. But, you know, they regrouped. It's a resilient group of young men that, that really got after it and really didn't want to lose. They never got down, they always uh, were there for each other and, and really wanted to make sure that, you know, no matter what happens, if, as long as we play for four quarters, then anything can happen. And, and you know, a lot of good things happened in those in those last two games. It was
0: fun watching those two games and, and watching these young men compete. Being a very solid football player yourself, middle linebacker for Mendota in the mid-90s, went and played college ball, you still get excited where you're like, hey, put me in? <laughs> say to Maybe to an assistant <laughs> coach, like, hey, put me in, coach. Or are you at that stage like, hey, I'll just watch these guys. I'm going to coach them. No, I think I'm, I'm
1: done. I enjoy watching these young men compete. and I had my opportunity, I believe, five, six years ago to, to put on the helmet again in, in one of those al- alumni games, and I fulfilled my one time of playing football again. So I'm good with getting these
0: young men prepared for a football game and, and cheering them on and doing what we have to do to, to get a W. Well, congratulations for an amazing season. It was a lot of fun calling it on the radio, and there was a... Quite a few times that me and Jeremy looked at each other and just like kind of wanted to jump up and cheer, but, you know, media, we can't do that. But we definitely wanted to. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I, like I said, it's, it was just great going
1: 5-0 and just beating teams that, you know, in the past we were struggling with really brought out a lot of, you know, goodness in in the LP school and in the in the community as well. So, you know, I was just happy to be a part of it, getting these kids prepared to good football players and good young men too as well.
0: You had mentioned it earlier about their attitude, knowing that they had a shortened season, but they're like, hey, we just want to play, we're going to have fun. I mean, that's amazing. Oh, that that what-if factor. You go 5-0, and o, there's a playoff if there's a state tournament. Like, what if? I know that has to sit with you and all the players. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's one of those things that,
1: yeah, yeah you're, you're right. It's the what ifs. Um, but... You know, I was just happy that these kids got to be able to compete and get out there and at least play those five games. But yeah, it's always going to sit in the back of my mind saying, what if? What could we have done if there was a playoff system or something like that? But as I
0: said, I was just happy for these guys to get out there and just compete, prove to what they can do as a team, and they really shine this year no doubt since we're talking about what ifs I gotta bring this up too what if you guys got a chance to meet Sycamore they should have had one more week of football so the two undefeated teams <laughs> in the Interstate 8 conference could go at it that would have been amazing because both of you both squads were playing fantastic football yeah definitely it would have been fun it would have been fun we would have been a, I had an opportunity
1: to just to compete against those guys and you know but it is one of the what ifs so unfortunately we didn't get the chance to, to play that game and it would have been great to see it, but, you know, hey, we look forward to, I guess, next year to competing against them. The last thing I want to mention is I also wanted to throw a shout-out to Coach Boudreau, who took took on the challenge of, of moving the offense and taking charge of the offense as well. He did a, did a fine job with those young men and getting them prepared, as Coach Carney did. And, you know, he's also a student of the game as well. And I just wanted to put a shout-out for, for, for him as well, uh, for, for all his efforts and, and what he's
0: done w- with that offense. Good stuff. He gets a shout out for me too, cause he did some great work. If the results that I saw was from him, oh man, it was fantastic to watch. Yeah. If you couldn't tell, I was pumped up to have you on. I've been ready to talk some Cavalier football with you.
1: That's good, man. Like I said, I, I'm I'm always excited to talk about this, uh, the program and,
0: and these fine young men too. Definitely, definitely. It's well, well, well deserved. They played some great football, no doubt. Well, Coach Jose Medina. Every guest on Edge of Your Seat podcast, we play a game. You were on the show before. Before we decided to do this, I think episode like five or six. One of the first ones, I guess. One of the first ones that uh, on the show. I, I don't think you had those games yet. So. Nope. You helped me prepare to be, you know, better. Especially now we're going to be in like episodes one seventies <laughs> when this comes out. So you know, Very I got awesome. awesome. to give you props for helping us get better. <laughs> Um, hey, I'm just a, I'm just a small piece of your uh, of your puzzle there, bud, so um, anything I can do to help, I'm, I'm here for you. I hope you know it's a two-way street, man. I'm always here for you, too, definitely. Sounds good. All right, let's play a game. Let's play some hot potato. I'm going to have David Narcus and Tyler Hartman, when I speak to them, play the same game, so we'll just ask the same questions and see, you know, what you guys like and what you don't like. Sounds good. We're in the Chicago area, it's baseball season, Chicago White Sox or Chicago Cubs? Uh, I've been a Cubby fan since I've been able to watch uh, WGN, so uh, yeah, I'm a a Cubs fan. Perfect, perfect. I kind of sit in the middle. When I was eight years old, I met Frank Thomas, but I love baseball, I love sports in general, so being in an area where I can cheer for two teams, I kind of like it. (laughs) Sounds good, that's awesome. (laughs) Being a coach, you know, there's two sides of the ball. Well, I guess in football three if you want to count special teams. But here we go with football, offense or defense? Uh, I'm probably more a defensive guy. Playing linebacker, more of the defensive side of the ball. When it comes to Chicago sports, this is going to be the conversation pretty much for the rest of the year. Chicago Bears quarterbacks, Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, and we'll throw in Justin Fields who was just drafted. uh,
1: actually I was talking to my son the other day and he he was like ah you know what I might not be a Bears fan after this if if they don't pick Justin Fields he was so happy that they picked Justin Fields and it's going to be tough for him to kind of start at the beginning but I'm assuming they paid Andy Dalton that much money so they they, they must have an idea for him to maybe get him prepared
0: uh, and then maybe just put Justin Fields in there uh, when they feel he's ready I actually hope that's what they do, instead of just drafting a young guy, throw him in there, and then you know if things happen that they don't want to happen, because that seems to be you know a trend with Chicago Bears and quarterbacks. So I hope yeah. they can like develop him. Exactly. I
1: think I think that that'd be the smart thing to do. You know, they got you know, granted Andy Dalton hasn't been well, he's shown some signs a little bit, but you know Nick Foles has been through some battles and you know won an MVP at, with the Eagles and stuff. So I think he's he, they're both get quarterbacks to maybe build off of, it or just learn from.
0: Spider Man or Captain America?
1: <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say probably
0: Captain America. He's the original. He's the first guy. So yeah, I, I would say probably Captain America. Okay, we gotta throw this one in there. Batman or Superman? Ooh,
1: um, Superman. I gotta go with Superman. Anybody that can
0: fly and throw and shoot lasers out of his eyes, I think he's pretty cool. There's nothing he can't do. Exactly. (laughs) You have a root beer float with vanilla ice cream or with chocolate ice cream? It's gotta be vanilla. It's gotta be vanilla. I don't think I've ever had a root beer float with chocolate ice cream. Oh, you gotta try it. You gotta try it at least once. (laughs) All right, I'll take your word for it. And last but not least, you're ordering tacos. Steak or chicken? Uh, Steak. No doubt about it, steak. I don't even think there is another answer. I don't think so either. <laughs> Perfect. Jose Medina, coach of LaSalle, Peru, Cavalier football team. Thank you very much for joining the show, talking about the kids and everything that they were able to do. 5-0, and undefeated season, first time since 1968. If you didn't know, it is 2021 right now. That is amazing for you guys. Thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Thank you very much, and keep doing what you're doing, bud. Usually... You use the word pesk or menace or anything like that, and it's negative. You don't want that to happen. Unless you watch the LaSalle, Peru football team play, and you see a senior defensive back named David Narcus being the biggest pesk menace for an opposing quarterback, then it's okay to use. I got him on the show. We have to talk about this and what he was doing to opposing offenses. David, what is up, my dude? What's up, how you doing? I'm doing alright, I am glad to have you on I haven't talked to you throughout the season Don't know if you know, but I do Color commentary for WLPO So I saw the Rochelle game The Ottawa game, and the Caneland game Because I did all of your home games And you, every single game Were just a pest On the defense Why you gotta be so pesky, man? That's just the way I play That's That's the way I was coached That's how I was brought up just the way I play. So it sounds like you take pride in that. Oh, yes. Yes, sir. Of course. I take pride in everything I do. What is it about being, you know, a defensive back, a cornerback that you like so much?
2: Uh, really just controlling the game. You know, uh, both positions uh, are a big part in uh, what happens in the game.
0: How long have you been playing football?
2: I played one year of tackle football before high school and then uh, two years of flag before high school.
0: So, really, I've only played three years. Three years of real pads, real football? Yeah, the 11-on-11 pad football. So, when you got into football three years ago, did you know that it was what you wanted to do, or somebody saw your talent or what you could be and decided to put you there?
2: I've always wanted to play football growing up. It was just a problem because I I had uh, two concussions really early in my life when I was like 11, 12. So it was always like my mom was kind of scared. My uncle, he's always seen my potential. He's always known that I've I've had talent. You know, he's always been behind me and trying to convince my mom to let me play ball.
0: Is your mom glad that you played now?
2: Oh, yeah. She, she's so happy. She's excited. You know, she's watching my highlight tapes over and over, you know, posting on Facebook about it. She's, she's really happy
0: and excited for me. We like to do shout outs on Edge of Your Seat podcast. What's your mom and uncle's name? My uncle's name is Uncle Jake, and my mom's name is Consuelo. Awesome, awesome. Props to them for pushing you to play football and then allowing you to play football. Both key roles, and man, like I said, you were so menacing, so pesky, and that's what you want from a defensive back. What were some of the things that you keyed in on this year, trying to improve your craft and be as pesky as you were? Honestly,
2: this is really my first year playing defensive back, and uh, you know, I was just trying to, uh, you know, do what Coach told me tried being aggressive, you know. I uh, studied my receiver a lot while I was guarding. I studied the offense, you know. But really, it was props to coach. He put me in the position to succeed. You know, none of this is possible without Coach Carney. He helped us win a lot of games this year. He coached us up right.
0: What position were you at before defensive back? Uh, I'm 100% a quarterback. That's that's my position. That's That's what I play. So then with Tyler Hartman and Sean Whitfield, they both took snaps this year. They kind of had to find somewhere else to put you? Yeah, I mean, coming in
2: here, I I I came from Manuka, and that's like a shotgun, you know, fast-paced offense. You know, coming here, it's just I didn't fit the offense, so, uh, you know, I I wasn't able to get the position, so I had to do whatever I had to do to get on the field and help the team win, and that was that defensive back. Okay. So I stuck with it, yep. When did you come over from Manuka? I transferred here the first week of the first game last season, so junior year.
0: So you've only been an LP Cavalier for two years? Yes sir, that's correct. Coming over from Manooka, which is, is that a bigger school? Yes, 8A. Oh wow, so you went from 8A football to 5A, 6A? Yes sir. Wow. Talk about a cultural shock on the football field. What were some of the differences, and how did you adapt?
2: LP, their offense is definitely different. They're not a – the offense isn't the type to sling it downfield, you know. We're definitely a run-heavy offense. The team is definitely smaller, you know, but everyone's closer. Coaches are always checking up on us players, you know. Uh, Coming from a bigger school, you really didn't have all those. The coaches, you know, checking up on the players, they weren't as close as over here. Everyone plays a part on the team. Everyone plays a part in the community. Everyone had. Everyone has their own thing to do. That's what I love about it. Everyone does their own thing. Awesome. Was it
0: hard for you to adapt to a different situation, or was it just like, hey, this is you know an easy fit, and you know eventually it became like family? It was kind of like uh
2: you know I came here and I knew like this is you know this is home. All the guys welcomed me. Tyler Hartman actually did a great job in welcoming me, you know, he, uh, he helped me out a lot. I actually got here and I thought uh, he was a senior and I thought I was gonna compete for the starting quarterback job this year because I thought he graduated last year. So I was kind of like trying not to be his friend, you know, I'll compete him and he was just too nice to me. We became good friends. You know, every, everyone here is great. All nice people.
0: Perfect. So you, are you glad you made the move?
2: oh yeah, 100%, there's no place I'd rather be. I love this team, I love all the coaches, everything. The fans,
0: stadium, everything. I love it. I have never been to Manooka to watch a football game. What is their football facilities like compared to Howard Fellows Stadium for LaSalle, Peru, which in my mind is like a top five in the state? I think LP has the best stadium in Illinois. There's no comparison to be
2: made. Uh, Manuka did just get a good f- uh, a new field like we did, but I still think
0: we by far have the best field Perfect, was it cool playing on the new turf for the first time, I mean nobody in LaSalle Pro football history had been on the <laughs> turf until this year, you guys got to do it, initiate the field and you did it by winning three games on it and not losing on that field that had to be amazing for all of you
2: Oh, yeah, it was a great feeling. You know, uh, before each game we emphasized that uh, we didn't want to lose on our new field and we are going to win every game from now on on that field. It, it was an amazing feeling.
0: It was awesome. You're undefeated on the home field. On the turf, you're undefeated. Yep, undefeated. It <laughs> <That> sounds great. <laughs> I know, right? It's That's good. awesome. Got a nice ring to it, right? A beautiful ring to it. Going through the season, I mean, you start off with Rochelle, Rochelle having kind of a down year, and then your opponents kind of got tougher and tougher, you know, Ottawa's kind of going through their things right now, but, you know, you end the season with Morris, who is a year-in, year-out perennial juggernaut, and Caneland, same thing, and comeback victories for both of them and a lot of it was because of the defense. The Cavalier defense was nasty all year long and won you guys games against two really, really dominant teams. You know, what was going on in the huddles and as you're playing that made you guys keep fighting and fighting comeback victories over Morris and Kalen to make that undefeatedness happen.
2: We all just stuck together going to halftime you know a few of us bummed out and the, the leaders of the team you know Tyler Hartman you know Levi Reed Drake Weber would pick the rest of the team up we just come out of halftime a different team we we come out with the mindset you know zero zero and uh, we, just, we just dominate I don't, there's nothing else to it we go out there and play some ball.
0: It looked like you guys were doing exactly that. Of course, there's X's and O's, there's game plans, there's, hey, this formation, things like that. But it looked like you guys were just playing the game. It was like you were in the backyard, nobody was watching. You guys are in shorts and a t shirt after school, just throwing the rock around. That's kind of what it looked like. (laughs) That's pretty much what it was. We all went out there and showed what we can do. We were talking about the defense. And talking about you as a player, and you had mentioned Coach Carney, what were some things that, you know, he did for you personally to help put you in the right positions, help you be the player that you were this year?
2: Coach Carney developed me as
0: a player. Uh, He always believed in me. He
2: uh, never let me put my head down. He always taught me, even when I did wrong. And without
0: him believing in me and giving me second chances, I would have never made the plays that I was able to make awesome very cool coach Carney is a good dude and so is head coach Jose Medina how was it working with him you know coming into new team from a new area you come to LP last year you guys get to the playoffs for the first time thinking like eight years and then you know this year you go five and zero. another stellar spectacular season for LP how was it working with Jose through all this
2: Oh, I love Coach Medina. He does nothing but help people. We're a, we're a really good dude. He's a great football coach and a great man.
0: You know, there's nothing bad you can say about the man. He's a great guy. I agree. I've known him for quite a long time. We actually graduated from the same high school. He's a little older than me. I'm not calling him old. I'm just saying he's <laughs> older than me. But I've known him for a long time, and he's always, always been a top-notch individual. Always. Oh, yeah. Awesome, dude. Now that the football season is over... Going into spring sports, are you playing any spring sports? Uh, I'm going to run track. I'm definitely going to do it all on track. Let's do what I can. Are you going to be able to? If I remember right, didn't you get dinged up in the last game of the season against Kaylin? Uh, Yeah, I, I ended up
2: dislocating my elbow, but there's no scratches or breaks, so I should be ready to go by next week. I'll be back in the weight room. I'll be uh, running track by next week, hopefully. Did you have to, like, pop it back in place? I think the trainers did. I don't know, because when I got to the hospital, they said I dislocated it,
0: but then it popped back into place, so I'm assuming the trainers did, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Hold on. You didn't feel somebody pop your elbow back in place? No. <laughs> Gino was working on my arm. Uh, that's our trainer. And
2: uh, Jake was like, look at me. And he was, like, talking to me, so I was focusing on him. And I remember Gina, Gina like, Touch it or something, I like jumped, but I didn't think she popped it back
0: in place because I assumed it would have hurt more. I'm not 100% sure, I've not talked to him about it. So Jake distracted you as Gina is replacing your elbow. Yes, I believe so. That's my theory. <laughs> I was gonna say, how do you not know that your elbow is being popped back in place?
2: There was so much going on. I was like trying not to focus on it. It looked out of place. And I was just like not trying to look at it. it. It was just, it was a lot going on. And then Jake like, he was, he was like, look at me. And we, we, he like talked to me and I was focusing on him. and like, I, I felt something, but I thought it was just like continuing to hurt.
0: And <laughs> I got to the hospital and they were like, no, it's in place now. Oh wow. On a scale of one to 1,000, how bad did it hurt? It was numb, like
2: I couldn't, I couldn't feel it, so I knew something was wrong, and then the adrenaline started to wear off and it started to hurt, it was, like, it was at like a 748, it was pretty
0: bad. Uh, I've never dislocated anything, I've broken tons of bones, way more than I wish to claim, but sometimes there are things that hurt worse than breaking a bone, it, this sounds like it might have been one of those situations.
2: Oh, yeah. It, it hurt. I've, I've actually uh, fractured my collarbone before, and the dis, this dislocated elbow hurt worse. It was bad.
0: At least you're, you're getting back. You'll be all right still getting oh, back in yeah. track. track. Just a little setback. Nothing sure. major. What events are you going to do in track? I'm going to
2: try and do it all. That's that's my goal, Try and do everything. You know, senior year, why
0: not? I believe you can only do four events at one meet, but you're saying from meet to meet, you're just going to do it all. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get in whatever I can. Were you on the track team in Manuka?
2: did run sophomore year, but I joined towards the end of the year. One of the football coaches recruited me. Didn't run at any meets because it was so late in the year.
0: Okay. So it sounds like you just have natural athletic ability, and you kind of waited a little bit while you are a kid to get it going because of the concussions, but now sophomore, junior, senior year, it seems like every year kicking a little more, get the best out of your athletic abilities that you can. Yes, sir. Good stuff, my man. Good stuff. Well, every guest on Edge of Your Seat Podcast plays a game. We're going to have the LP football team play a game of hot potato. Coach Jose Medina already played it. You're going to play it. And then when we speak to Tyler Hartman, senior quarterback, he is going to play it as well. Are you ready for some hot potato? Yes, sir, I'm ready. We're in the Chicagoland area. It's baseball season. White Sox or Chicago Cubs? I'm definitely a White Sox guy. They got that L today against the Reds. I don't know if you got to watch it or not. That was disheartening. <laughs> I have not seen it yet. Ah, uh, got to 10 innings. They were up. I'm like, oh, they're going to take this. Then they didn't. The Reds score <laughs> in the bottom of the 10th and take the game. I was upset. On the football field, which do you prefer, offense or defense? Defense. Well, that was an easy one for you, but I'm going to ask you, Jose, and Tyler, the same one, so I had to. <laughs> Are you a Chicago Bears fan at all? No, sir. you say no? Nope. Uh-oh, what's your team? Detroit. Oh, man, I don't think we can talk anymore. <laughs> That's my team. (laughs) Well, I got this uh, Bears question in here. If you don't have an answer, I'll flip it over to some Lions. But for this season coming up, the quarterback situation in Chicago, this is going to be a three-headed hot potato. Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, or Justin Fields? Like week one starter? Yep. Nick Foles. Still roll with Foles? Oh, yeah, he knows the system. How are you a Lions fan?
2: My dad, uh, I remember growing up, I'd go to his house on the weekends and he would be blasting in the Lions game. You know, I was just amazed. Watching Matt Stafford, Calvin Johnson, even Reggie Bush, you know, I
0: fell in love. I guess you did grow up in a good era in terms of Detroit Lions. They didn't really get to do much with it, but they had some fantastic plays. Oh, yeah, they had talent. All right, I won't hold that against you, then. <laughs> Spider-Man or Captain America? Spider-Man. If you got a root beer float, are you gonna have it with chocolate ice cream or vanilla ice cream? Vanilla ice cream, of course. Going to get some tacos. Steak taco or chicken taco? Steak tacos. That's the way to go, bro. That's the way. (laughs) That's the only way. (laughs) David Narcus, Sr. with LaSalle, Peru football team. Thank you very, very much for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. This has been a lot of fun. Got to know you a little bit. Talk about the transfer from Nuka to LaSalle, Peru. And then, of course, you adapting to the Cavalier football team. Thank you very much for joining the show, man. This has been fun. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. It's an honor to, to be on your podcast. I love it. Keeping this festival of LaSalle Peru Cavaliers going, we have senior quarterback Tyler Hartman with us. Tyler, how's it going, my man? Good, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Definitely excited to talk some more LaSalle Peru Cavalier football, and especially with you. I mean, you were with the program for four years, saw a lot of changes, a lot of improvements. I mean, what did it mean to you to be a part of this team?
3: Um, it was obviously huge coming in as a freshman to start off with winning seasons. Our freshman, sophomore, and then both varsity seasons, it means a lot to kind of get this program back rolling to what we knew it was able to
0: roll with. Last year, you guys finished 5-4, and four the regular season, get to the playoffs. First playoff bid for LP in eight years. Had to be huge for you guys.
3: Yeah, last year uh, we had a very special team. We won enough games to get that playoff berth, and we played the 5A state champs, Rochester, in the first round. Um, It gave a lot of the juniors a bunch of experience in the playoffs, and it kind of gave us all a taste of what the playoffs were like, but it also gave a community kind of what a taste of the playoffs are like. And we knew that this year we had to build on that. We can't just be a one and done. So we kind of played with a little bit of a chip on our shoulders this year, knowing that we need to improve from last year.
0: Unfortunately, no tournament, no state playoff, no state championship run. But 5-0, and undefeated, big wins against Caylen, who was state-ranked 6A, number nine. Morris, both comeback wins. Pretty safe to say that you guys are going to be in the playoffs. It took another step forward.
3: Those wins against Morris and Caylen were huge for us. Those were two of those games that we had circled on our schedule early in the season. We knew if we wanted to take the next step, we were going to have to beat teams like that, that are kind of powerhouses in our conference. Like you said, coming from behind both games, that's one thing I loved about this team. This year, we just never knew when to give up and lay down. We always kept fighting, stayed in games, and of course, those two comeback wins were huge for us this
0: year. Don't mean to harp on this, but you kind of said it, you know, turning LP around. You know, five, six years ago, maybe a little more than that, LP Morris, oh, Morris is winning this. LP, Kalen, LP doesn't have a chance. And now, the last three years, for sure the last three, any game that LP has been in, they have a chance. You guys have never been counted out in the last three years. Talk about that turnaround and what that means for you and this team knowing that.
3: Um, that's kind of one of the big things that we pride ourselves in. This group that I've been playing with for four years now, we just never know when to give up. We've been in a lot of close games like that the whole time and that's kind of where your players really start to emerge. We obviously stepped up on both sides of the ball. Defense got it done this year, offense got it done this year. It was honestly exciting to watch and be a part of. Previous years, you know, those teams might have laid down, given up, but we've really tried to change this program and make sure that we're never out of a game and we're always fighting till the end
0: because you never know what can happen. My next comment does not mean any negative or nothing against the offense. But when you say the defense got it done, Oh my gosh, that's an understatement. The defense this year was nasty.
3: Yeah, it all started with our front three guys. Our front three guys really helped us out this year. Our ends, you had Levi Reed, Weston Wenzel. They took huge steps on defense this year. Made a ton of plays, a lot of tackles for loss, a lot of sacks. And then on the interior at guard, you had Carson Rowicki and Reed Robiza. They really helped us out with that run stop, that run pressure, the pass rush. And then our linebackers, we have smart linebackers who... Love coming downhill and making plays in the run game. They're also smart in the pass game too. And then our corners, David, Ethan Bell, Ethan Tarkowski, and then our safeties, Trayvon and Sean, they all know their jobs well. do well, help us uh, defend that pass, and then they come up and fill in the run game when we need them to. So all around, we play great team defense, make a lot of team tackles. And it all comes down to coaching too. Our defensive coordinator, Coach uh, Carney, He always had a good game plan coming into every week, watches a lot of film, smart guy. He always prepares to
0: the best of our capabilities for every single week. Definitely. I'm glad you said team tackles because it was like every single Cavalier was like a hawk. If there was a guy running down the field with the ball, all of you guys were there.
3: Yeah. Like I said earlier, not giving up on games. We also know never to give up on plays. Um, We all play through the whistle. We know the plays done once we hear that whistle. But if we don't hear that, we're all trying to find the ball, make a tackle.
0: Breaking down your play, let's start offensively. Quarterback, I mean, you're the definition of a two-headed monster behind the center. I mean, you could throw pretty accurately, and you could run. I mean, whenever you were given the ball, you made some plays. Talk about the importance of being able to do both of those, especially in high school football.
3: High school football is one of those things where you're going to see a lot more running than passing. So if you're able to keep the defense honest, being able to run the ball well, as well as being able to pass the ball well, It just helps with the overall success of the offense. So our team, we had a great offensive line this year, a lot of great blocking on the interior as well as exterior. Wide receivers did great jobs blocking downfield, same with our slots. So when you just run that ball down the defense's mouth, they're naturally going to start playing uh, heavier on the inside, bringing more guys on blitzes, and that opens up passing. So just being able to do both really keeps defenses honest, and it keeps them guessing at what we're going to be doing.
0: As a quarterback, when you step back, did you have a number one look or who were some of the wide receivers that you made sure that they got the ball throughout a game?
3: All of our wide receivers and slots are playmakers. Um, A lot of guys I've played with for a while now, like Drake and Reese Kurtz, I can always rely on them to make big plays. I mean, Reese had that huge game-winning touchdown against Morris. We knew we could get him the ball in space. He might be able to break a tackle and ultimately got in the end zone and won us the game. Another guy that I constantly look for is Drake Weber. Drake just does a great job finding the ball in the air and high pointing it making huge plays for us coming up big. But a lot of these junior kids, too, like Sean Whitfield really emerged this year as an offensive threat. He's always been a quarterback, and he really stepped up as a slot this year. Made a lot of great plays in the passing game. And then, of course, Trayvon Hunter, too. um, Made a lot of great plays and catches, and he was able to run with the ball after he caught it. So a lot of threats in
0: the passing game this year. This was one of my comments when I was talking to Coach Medina. The amount of playmakers and the versatility that you guys had, whether they were behind you as a running back or a wide receiver in the slot or going you wide outs, everybody seemed like they could do everything.
3: Yeah, that's one of the great things about this team. We just have a bunch of playmakers, a lot of guys who can play a lot of different positions. And, of course, with such a crazy season, you have to be ready to do that. We were all ready to play multiple different positions. I remember coming into week one against Sandwich, we had – Trayvon taking snaps at quarterback because we didn't know if basketball kids were going to make it back in time for football So I mean everyone was prepared to play a lot of different positions And just the versatility that we all showed this year was incredible
0: You just kind of touched in on something Whether you guys are going to have a season or not was kind of in the air until it actually happened How did that make you feel as a player like am I going to play am I not going to play Where were you keeping your head at you know to make sure that you were ready if you did get to play
3: Starting in the fall, I was always optimistic. Uh, I had a feeling that I was going to get a chance to play regardless of what happened, you know. Um, obviously, COVID came, took out a lot of programs, took out a lot of sports last year, so I was really hoping that we got the chance to start those back up this year. Um, of course, fall football didn't happen, but we had the opportunity to switch some of the spring sports to the fall season, and that allowed us to play football this spring, but Through the whole summer, fall, winter, Um, we still conditioned, stayed optimistic, kept watching film, and kept running through plays and just staying ready for that fall season.
0: Did you see a difference? You know, usually, like you said, you play in the fall. We're talking September, October. Instead, you were playing in, you know, March, April. Was there a difference? Weather-wise, field-wise, anything in the game? One of the best things
3: that I loved about playing spring football is you never had that practice where it was like, 90 degrees and it was everyone was hotter than crap and it was just a horrible practice because everyone was so lethargic and hot the spring weather was actually pretty good to us this year I think wasn't ever too cold that you couldn't practice and it wasn't ever like too hot that you couldn't practice we always found time to get out on the practice field get our practices in of course rain's going to happen regardless of what season you play in, but we were able to make the best of what the spring weather threw at us this year.
0: Yeah, and honestly, there really wasn't that much rain.
3: Yeah, so it was honestly just a plus. Uh, We had a little bit of snow coming into the the beginning of the season, but ultimately it kind of warmed up for us and hung right around that low 60, mid-60 degree weather. And it's
0: really good football weather right there. Did you guys practice in the snow? I would have been trying to tackle everybody in snow. That's what I would have done.
3: Yeah, uh, we we got the chance to practice out in the field a few times in the snow. It's always a bit exciting when you're in the snow. We got an opportunity last season to practice in snow. Probably one of the, my favorite practices of all time. But, of course, I'm sure it was my favorite because we only did it once. I'm sure after constant practices in the snow, it get a bit more annoying than that first time. But snow practices are real fun. Guys are always a bit more enthusiastic, more into it. Of course, it's a bit more difficult to hold on to the ball and throw it a little bit, but I feel like the mood, the overall mood at practice is kind of brought up when there's snow around, which is kind of cool.
0: Your coaches are going to be very happy with you that you said you had a favorite practice. Yeah. I don't know many people that have favorite practices, but you have a favorite practice, so they're going to be happy about that. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. Football is not the only sport that you play for LaSalle, Peru. Also play golf, also play basketball. What did it mean to you, you know, being able to, you know, do different sports, have that opportunity to excel on any sports stage you want to, and especially to be able to do it during, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic?
3: This year when uh, football was moved from the fall to spring, it opened up a pretty unique opportunity for me to play golf. I mean, uh, me and my friends would always play golf for fun. And just have a lot of fun playing nine holes at the golf course. And I was given the opportunity to kind of play it a bit more competitively. My friends and I, we all decided that we'd go out for golf. Um, A lot of different people went out for golf this year. And it ended up being real fun. We got to practice. We always played nine holes at practice, hit the driving range. And then we all got to play in the senior night golf match. And it was a pretty cool experience. And then basketball this year, um, we kind of had a pretty good season in basketball with uh, circumstances we were given. Um, We started out with a very good game against Hall. I think the final score was like 98 to 88 or something like that. We were just two points off, scoring 100 points. Um, Basketball, we got a lot of wins this year, had a lot of fun, and we made the best out of what COVID gave us this year.
0: Because of COVID-19, you were actually able to say that you were a high school golfer, because otherwise you wouldn't have been able to do that (laughs) because you played football. Yeah,
3: um pretty crazy to think about
0: that actually don't think we want to say thank you to COVID-19 for anything but I guess if there's a slight possibility I right there is that a thank you it might
3: be a little thank you to COVID-19 for letting me play golf this year just a little bit
0: <laughs> not a full thank you just like a fat yeah not a, not a full one just a just a half thank you <laughs> definitely definitely every guest on edge of your seat podcast we play game We've been playing hot potato with all the representatives from LaSalle, Peru football, and we got to get into it. Do you got some gloves on? Make sure you don't burn your hands. Oh, I'm so ready. (laughs) Perfect. First, I mean, we're in the Chicagoland area. It's baseball season. Chicago Cubs or the White Sox?
3: Oh, I would personally say that I'm a Cubs fan rather than a Sox fan, but ultimately I'm an Indians fan. But I got that little, I guess, love for the Cubs just because growing up in Illinois, I watch—I tend to watch the Cubs more than the Sox.
0: You're an Indians fan? How did that happen? Uh, when I was about four years old, we moved to Illinois. I used to live in Columbus, Ohio. Gotcha. Well, now it makes sense. All right. Yeah. You play both sides of the football as a linebacker and as a quarterback with LaSalle Peru. What side do you like better, offense or defense? Oh,
3: this is a tough question. Um, You know, I've been playing linebacker my whole life, ever since second grade, youth football. But I think I naturally love quarterback a little bit more. Just being able to score touchdowns, make plays, and ultimately help your team win at the quarterback position. There's nothing better than that.
0: You sound like a true leader right there. That's what it made to sound like. Are you a Bears fan?
3: Uh, yes, I would consider myself a Bears
0: fan. All right, this is going to be a three-headed hot potato. Who are you going to roll with? Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, Justin Fields. Oh, Justin Fields.
3: Ohio State is my favorite college football team. I love Justin Fields. He's a playmaker. I'm excited to see what he can do in the NFL.
0: As soon as you said you are originally from Ohio, I'm like, yep, he's going Fields.
3: Oh, yeah, I love Justin Fields.
0: Spider-Man, Captain America.
3: Oh, I think I'm going to go Spider-Man Growing up I always loved uh, the Spider-Man movies A bit more than I like the Captain America movies I don't really know But I think I've grown up around Spider-Man I've even had a Spider-Man birthday party For a theme So I think I would naturally pick Spider-Man there
0: Was that your like 16th birthday? I was thinking more of like my 18th birthday <laughs> For sure I mean you can never be too old for Spider-Man Oh, of course all right you're getting a root beer float is it with vanilla ice cream or chocolate ice cream
3: oh vanilla I've never even heard of a root beer float with
0: chocolate ice cream coach Medina said the same thing I've actually had it it's pretty good I would try it if you ever you know feel up to it might have to give it a try going to get tacos steak tacos or chicken tacos
3: Definitely steak tacos. I don't know what about them,
0: but I just love steak tacos more than I do chicken. There's nothing better. Nothing better. Absolutely. Well, Tyler Hartman, senior at LaSalle, Peru, thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. It's been a blast. Talking about the football season, things you were able to actually play golf. That's big props to you. Thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast, man. Hey, thank you for having me. Pleasure being here.